0: 6.30 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on
1: 6.30 Chad. All right. Well, we get some more concrete details from the NHL today as the league's top two men spoke. Commissioner Gary Bettman, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. Still a lot up in the air. There are no definite dates. This is still a plan. They still have to see how things go. With COVID 19 in all their cities across North America. They do have, uh, they did announce the 10 cities who are finalists to be one of the two hubs. It's the first time we've heard the league come out and actually list the cities. Edmonton is on that list. I'll break down who is all on it, and we'll go over some of the key comments from Daly and Bettman today. You'll also hear from Kelly Rudy, and I'm happy to hear from you today as I'm sure a lot of you are thinking about a potential return of the NHL, how it might look, how it might affect – uh, the battle against the coronavirus and testing and all those sort of things, and, of course, how the Oilers might do when they hit the ice. And this plan is that it would be against the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm happy to hear from you. The number to both call and text is 780-496-0063. Now, another thing that happened today is Gary Bedman officially declared the regular season over, which means Leon Dreisaitl wins the Art Ross Trophy. Neal, side of the net, turns, fires, rebound, and
0: somehow brought That is an unbelievable save. Back hitter, score. Drysaddle punches it home. Hoskinen knocked it down, launched ahead for Drysaddle, breakaway, back hitter, score. Five hole on Corey Schneider. Leon Drysaddle. Here's Drysaddle, fire scores. Went off through Dowdy.
1: And Leon Drysaddle with his fourth power play goal of the year. Drysaddle 110 points in 71 games The second leading scorer in the NHL, his teammate, Connor McDavid. So three of the last four seasons now, an oiler wins the Art Ross. McDavid won it in 16-17 with 100 points. McDavid in 17-18 with 108 points. Of course, Kucherov took it last year with 128. So Dreisaitl finishing the season with 110. Had 11 games left. Could have he got 18 points and... uh, tied or exceeded Kucherov's total from last season certainly would have had a chance the way he was going so he becomes the third oiler to win the Art Ross you may remember Wayne Gretzky won it almost the entire 1980s and then uh, as an LA king won it a couple times in the 90s as well Gretzky's point totals just for fun in 81 he had 164 in 82 he had 212 in 83 he had 196 of took a, t- kind of took it off the gas a bit that year. 84, 205 points, 208 points in 85. The record 215 in and 86. And then in 87, he has 183. Lemieux took the title away for him uh, a couple of years after that. One year, Lemieux got to 199. So uh, good for Dreisaitl. And, of course, he'll be a key player if and when the Oilers do get going. And, I look, I, I still do say uh, if because – I, I I hesitate to come on and say, Hey, hockey's back for sure. They they say it and every time Bettman speaks or Daly speaks, they always say we are respecting the uh, health authorities in whatever region we want to go into, we have to respect the uh, political officials in whatever region we go into, and they said that numerous times today. And if and and they don't want to play games in a, in an area that might be dangerous or where Ted the public needs testing and all those types of things. So, uh, but we do have a, a, a bit of a plan, and we're hearing it from the uh, two most important men from the league side, which is significant as well. So here are the uh, ten cities that are finalists to be one of the two hubs. Now, three of them are in Canada, and we've talked about these, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Toronto. Ontario's COVID-19 numbers are uh, certainly higher than, than what we've been seeing in Edmonton and what BC is experiencing right now. For the American cities, it is Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Las Vegas, which I think has to be on probably an even shorter list than this one, Los Angeles, which I had not heard talked about at all before today, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then Pittsburgh. So, you know, each conference will get a hub city with secure hotels, an arena, practice facilities, transportation in the market. Edmonton's advantage is the practice rink is right there. There's a hotel right there. And obviously our, our COVID numbers are quite low. Here is something that works against not just Edmonton, but also Vancouver and Toronto. If, if you enter Canada, you have to quarantine for 14 days, and that simply doesn't work for the National Hockey League. Here's Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. If, in fact, uh, we're not able to um, really get an
0: interpretation of the quarantine consistent with uh, our players' ability to travel in and not have to do a strict self-quarantine in, in a hotel room, I, I don't think we'd be in a position, I, I shouldn't say I don't think, we won't be in a position uh, to use any of the Canadian cities as a hub city. Uh, so we, uh, we're faced with having to find a solution to that. and Hopefully we can.
1: All right. So th- there he said, he said they, they wouldn't be able to use a Canadian city as a hub city if there's a 14-day quarantine policy in place in Canada. Could it be waived for that city just for the pro athletes and their coaches and some other personnel to come back? If that was the case, how would that go over with the general public? If you listen to this show, you're probably a sports fan. You're probably a hockey fan. So you probably want to see sports and see hockey. Maybe some of you would be more willing to see that quarantine lifted for an exception to be made for these uh, players and coaches to come back. But I'm probably even some of you, if you are hockey fans would say, well, wait a minute, we have rules in place for a reason. And that's to combat the uh, coronavirus. So that could be a touchy topic. So that possibly could rule out the three Canadian cities right there unless there's an exception made. Now Daly said that they I think he said that they're in various uh, various discussions with various people about trying to work around that quarantine. So you, look, you don't rule out the Canadian cities, but that could be one thing working against them. The testing is very important for the for the National Hockey League. Um, they would want players to be tested, Certainly, uh, as they're rolling in for phase two and and here are the phases again, we're we're in phase one right now. Phase two would be early June. So maybe next week, maybe the next after the week after players go back to their home cities and they can start working out in small groups. No more than six at a time. No coaches on the ice. So they they you know, they try to avoid as much contact as possible. And hey, look, this this obviously isn't perfect, but this is this is the plan right now. And then phase three would be actual training camps. And the way the NHL phrased this today is that that would be not earlier than the first half of July. So not in June. So training camps, they're hoping between July 1st and 14th at the earliest. And then maybe they get playing sometime after that. So for for testing through that, they, they'd want to have the players tested fairly frequently. Um, Phase three in training camp, they'd want players tested at least twice a week, and this would be at the expense of the league. And then once the game started, Daly said today, and this would be at the expense of the league, that players would be tested daily. They would be tested every night before bed, basically, and then if there's a positive test, everybody would would know about it in the morning. So, and here's one of the big questions, probably the question I've been asked the most besides when are we actually going to play and what are the chances of playing, what happens if there is a positive test of a player or I guess anybody with a team in one of the hub cities? Daly and Bettman teamed up to answer that one. Something we've been uh, in constant communication with our medical advisors on, Uh, Their
0: thought process at this point in time is that uh, one single positive test, uh, depending on the circumstance, should not uh, necessarily shut the whole uh, operation down. Uh, Obviously, we can't be in a situation where we have an outbreak and that will uh, affect our ability to continue playing. uh, But a single positive test uh, or isolated positive tests uh, throughout, you know, a two month tournament um uh should not necessarily uh mean an end to the tournament. Uh, and and in that regard that's why when I was asked about locations the, if we go to a place that has less covid-19 in the community the likelihood of somebody who's now been tested through a training period through training camp and now is centralized uh the more we can sort of create a bubble the less likely we'll have it and your example of Bill calling me in the morning to make the decision, it's really the doctors who are going to be guiding us as to what the right circumstance and response should be uh, should we have uh, a positive or more than one positive.
1: All right. So I thought Daly's answer was a little more, Definite than, than Bettman's. I mean, Daly said one positive test shouldn't shut down the tournament. And then Bettman came in and said, well, it really wouldn't be our decision. It would be up to the doctors. I, I suppose if, I mean, if you're testing everybody and you have one positive test and everybody else has been tested at the same time, then maybe they're thinking like, okay, that person hasn't spread it. He's out of action. And we go on and keep playing. I guess we would see how that would actually play out. Hopefully it doesn't, and that's why they're looking for a city for a region like Edmonton at the moment that doesn't have a lot of positive tests because they would feel safer bringing the players into that environment. Bettman confirmed the, I guess we can call it a playoff format because they did call the regular season over.
0: So Obviously. 24,
1: 24 the- teams, sorry, Kellen, I'm just going to get explain this a little further. Sorry about that. Uh, 24 teams total, 12 in each city. Western Conference in one, East in the other. They are seeding teams based on points percentage. That has the Oilers fifth in the West. They would play 12th place Chicago in a best of five. The top four seeds in each conference would play around Robin to help determine their seeding. Those would be uh, regular season format games. So the overtime would be uh, three on three and then a shootout. The, the best of five. I think the NHL is call, calling it the qualifying round. Those would be playoff overtime. So you play until someone wins and they haven't decided yet if the rounds after that would be bracketed or if they would reseed after every round that that's still up in the air. And uh Bettman knows some people don't like this plan.
2: Obviously these are extraordinary and unprecedented times. Any plan for the resumption of play by definition, cannot be perfect. And I am certain that depending on which team you root for, you can find some element of this package that you might prefer to be done differently. But we believe we have constructed an overall plan that includes all teams that as a practical matter might have had a chance of qualifying for the playoffs when the season was paused. And this plan will produce a worthy Stanley Cup champion who will have run the pro-season, postseason gauntlet that is unique to the NHL.
1: All right. That is a little bit there from Gary Bebbin. Your feedback is, of course, welcome. Hey, we're all passionate about the NHL. We all have an opinion on what should happen if they get back to playing. And, hey, maybe some of you think that they shouldn't get back to playing, that it's just not a priority, even if you're a hockey fan. 780-496-0063. You can call, you can text. We're back after this break. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. A lot of talk about the NHL's return to play plan. Maybe next week or the week after players allowed to work out in groups up to six. And start getting into shape for a training camp that could start in July. 780 496 0063, that's the open line number. That is the number for the text line. Blaine writing in, he says, uh, Hey, Reed, the NHL's restart plan is neither a medical decision nor a moral decision. It is strictly financial. Part of me thinks it stinks, but I suppose. If I were a high-ranking official with the league and I was looking at losing over a billion dollars, maybe I wouldn't care about medicine or morals either. That is a text coming in from Blaine. And Wayne T says, hey, Reed, it's interesting. They've declared the season over. Therefore, Leon wins the scoring title and several other players win whatever. But if the season is over, the teams that were in playoff positions should be in the playoffs. I don't understand why they decided to go with some convoluted percentage system, which they've never used. I do understand they're trying to get some big market teams in, but I think the uh, top 12 overall should be in the playoffs. Maybe then 13 through 16 could play off against 17 through 20 to see who gets in. They could use your handicap system that you mentioned the other day. To give teams thirteen through sixteen a bit of an edge, I guess this is the wacky NHL that is from Wayne. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I wait as I'm sure I'm sure you're joking around a little bit with the points percentage. They use points percentage to rank teams during the regular season uh, when they haven't played an equal number of games. But usually, we get to eighty-two and the points percentage doesn't matter because you can just use points. So, I mean, that's why they're using it. I'm actually fine with the points percentage. I I don't object at all to the points percentage. I object with 11 and 12 in each conference being in the playoffs. I, I I think it should have been the top 10. And if we're doing things differently, I, I did suggest that the other day. If you're a higher-seeded team in this playoff round, maybe you should start a best-of-five series with a 1-0 lead because you've already outpaced a team by quite a bit. Right? I mean, the Oilers have 11 more points than the Blackhawks. Uh, Edmonton had played 71 games. Chicago had played 70. You know Pittsburgh has uh, 15 more points than Montreal. Maybe maybe those teams should start the best of five with a one nothing lead. I know it would be unconventional, but th- they're going to have to do some un- unconventional things here. Cowtown Bob writes in. He says, "Hi, Reed. I'm very excited to get some firm ideas on uh, how the 1920 season will end. We need sports to resume, and I'm happy to see the NHL take these measures. As for who wins." I believe the layoff for all the teams will create a very level playing field. I don't think there will be a favorite. That's a really interesting point from Cowtown Bob because you can't really, at least I don't look at this as much of a continuation of the previous season. You know, like, don't you look at Kyler Yamamoto and kind of say, well, he's starting. I mean, he played, he had brief stints in the NHL before, basically played half this, last half of this season. Don't you kind of him and and say, well, now he's into his second year. Is the NHL, are the Oilers penalty killers going to be as good as they were? It's going to be over a year since St. Louis won the Stanley Cup. Are they kind of still the defending champions and have the swagger they did? Well, maybe probably in that case, but, but yeah, it's, it's a best of five, so a little shorter. Maybe that makes it a little more advantageous to the lower seeds if somebody gets hot. And a, and a any momentum or, or good vibe or strong play that a team had built up, to me, kind of disappears. And that's what makes it even more interesting. And there's already been a lot of comments that this is going to resume and perhaps look like really poor preseason hockey. The difference is it'll be all NHLers. In the games at the beginning of the preseason, it's usually about half of the guys who won't even be in the NHL. But I, I think some timing is going to be off. I'm sure there will be various levels of fitness. I mean, maybe maybe this is going to be like the training camps of the of the 80s and prior, where players actually use training camp to get into shape. Now it's expected you come to training camp and you're already in shape. Maybe I don't know if all the players are going to be in the in the ideal shape that they want to be. Once they report for these training camps, it's, I mean, from a pure, you know, it's hard not to look at this through the lens of being in a pandemic, but from a pure sporting standpoint, could this be one of the most unpredictable playoffs ever? Because there, it's just starting after such an odd circumstance. Trent says, what if they did a 2014 playoff with best of one series? The winner of the cup would be the only team to go undefeated. Outside the box, but it could be done quickly and still let the next season start on time. An NCAA tournament format from Trent. Everything's one and done. That would ramp up the excitement for sure. Bedman did say today they want to do a full season next year, even if this one goes well until the fall. You know, for people who say that I'm stuck in the 80s with my musical tastes, I will say that this song and uh, specifically this album, I would say in my top 10 for both song and album all time, that is uh, the band is Highly Suspect. That is a song called Lydia off their album called Mr. Asylum that came out in 2015. Did you know about them, Kellen? Kellen, if you're talking, I can't hear you. Guess what? <laughs> you hit the wrong button. again. again. <laughs> That's okay. Ah! okay. I, I, I'm just going to say something to, to everybody listening here. As a bit of an aside. If you want to indulge me for a second, Kellen Kennedy... Has been outstanding through this whole process. He's still going into the office uh, every day, and our office is is very safe. But he's been uh, making the trek in every day and pulling an honest to goodness eight hour shift. And we're all broadcasting from different locations, and we're actually all broadcasting on different systems. Mm-hmm. So he might bring in Jaylin one way and Bob another way, and, and Jespo another day if he's there in the morning, and and me another way, and he's and then he has to put himself on air every once in a while. So, Kellen. You're totally forgiven. <laughs> and don't worry about it. I, I'm just afraid like you left the room or something. <laughs> yeah. Kel just like, Wilkins is boring me again. I'm leaving the room. I'll come back to play the commercial.
0: I'm going to come back and uh, just step outside, get some fresh air, go chase some <laughs> birds, you know. Yeah. Yeah, just remember homer that dog has a puffy tail exactly well thank you reed i appreciate the kind words so it's it's been a it was a little challenge at first but once you settle into a rhythm everything's cool uh, great and cool uh you guys have been awesome to work with so it's been you know just the train keeps rolling the wheel keeps turning
1: you know well, humans are, are are pretty adaptable, and we and we oh, love yeah. our jobs, so we're pretty lucky. Don texting in seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. He says the one disadvantage I see for Edmonton being a hub is the time zone. Uh, then he says I still see one hub in the east and Vegas as the other. That is from Don. Well, yeah, I wonder if they're if just for kind of TV viewer habits and getting the games on at decent times to a relevant audience they will pick an Eastern city and a Western city. Now in the first couple of rounds, there will be games during the day, but even so, if you're, if you're starting a game, um, well, when would you start the games? I mean, locally, could you go noon four and eight? So if you had Eastern teams here, you know, I don't think you'd want a game starting at, at 10 Eastern for for fans in in, in that time zone. I, I, I got to think Vegas is high on the list to get games. And as I mentioned earlier with that clip from Bill Daly, if Canada doesn't waive the 14-day quarantine for people coming into the country, then the NHL isn't going to look at uh, Toronto, Edmonton, or Vancouver. They're just going to say we're going to go to the United States. Okay, keep the text coming in. 780-496-0063. He joins us every week. Throughout the NHL season or throughout the pause as he's been doing, former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster with the NHL and Rogers, it's Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? You know what? I'm doing fantastic, Reed, It's an exciting
2: day for all of us that uh, are involved with the NHL. And uh, man alive, that uh, press conference with the uh, commissioner got me really excited again and ready to go back
1: to work at some point down the road. Well, we're actually talking about things potentially happening instead of not happening. And that's been interesting for me, Kelly. A lot of people have said to me, especially people who aren't big sports fans but know what I do for a living, they say, well, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I've been... Unfortunately, it's news that Sports aren't happening, and the Edmonton Triathlon's being canceled, and the Edmonton Marathon, and and the CFL's delayed, and all this mm-hmm. with the NHL. So we're potentially talking about something happening—a uh, 24-team format. We thought there might be an expanded playoff. What do you think of that?
2: I like it. You know, as the commissioner once again said, you know, nothing's going to be perfect, and uh, for whatever team you're a fan of uh, you might think that there are different ways that they could have done something like this but overall for the health of the league and for the health of the game uh, I'm really excited about the options uh, that they were faced with and the direction they went I I mean what was really cool I had no idea how that draft was going to look and you know of course we still don't know everything about it but that was a really thoughtful way I thought of trying to make the best of it really terrible uh, situation and again not everybody's gonna like it and it's gonna be really unique and different and you know we're gonna have to get our heads around it but that's what i've been saying for weeks now ever since that conversation well ron the show called in conversation that he had what six or seven weeks ago now it's hard to imagine but he had uh, gary bettman on and and i've talked to you a number of times uh, in the meantime since this about the, the way in which the commissioner has handled all of this, it's been nothing but positives and ways to get around all these obstacles. And, and I, I really sense that again today, you know, the way in which uh, we've been hearing for weeks now that the uh, NHL and the PA have been working together and making maybe more progress than they have in ages and ages and trying to get uh, a solution to this. And so I, I just like what I'm hearing from everybody and maybe, The current mood will change to one of more positivity because I have to tell you, I listen to a lot of talk radio and it brings me down, Reed. I don't know about you, but so many people uh, just have this negative tone to them. And I understand why we're in a pandemic and people are dying and families are suffering. But, you know, when it comes to sports, there just seems to be no positivity. And it's driving me crazy.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if we if we get to actually playing games, it's it's going to be uh, suspenseful to see how the season actually finishes, how the Oilers do, and all that kind of stuff. And I want to ask you a couple Oilers related questions. But you often put yourself in the skates of a player, since you were in those mm-hmm. skates for a large part of your life. If you were a player and experiencing this type of plan here going forward, what do you think is a concern or two that you might have?
2: Uh, being in top shape. So after watching the press conference today, if I were a player, I'd be either out running right now or doing something of a physical nature because from what I gather, not a lot of people have. And uh, this is starting to ramp up. So number one thing, I'm going to try and get into the best shape I possibly can. Now, these guys are you know extremely fit and they're unbelievable athletes so it's not as though they're uh, you know at 50 percent now but they'll still have to really ramp up so that would concern me and of course you know i'll go back to my playing days i would of course be wondering or worrying about where will i be mentally and uh, that would be something that would be concerning to me uh trying to change my thought process you know it's it's i should be going into the summer having some relaxing time maybe a little vacay with the family and now those plans will be interrupted
1: when you played and and i'm referencing the document that we saw yesterday 22 pages and there was a lot of Use your own water bottle. Don't share yep. towels. Wear a mask in and out of the rink. Sing "Happy Birthday" twice when you wash your hands. I mean, it was, it was, it was like, Well, you know, it doesn't matter what walk of life if you're an NHL player or not. You're being reminded of this stuff. When you played, how aware were you of germs and hygiene?
2: Oh, I'm hesitating because I would think that it had no priority whatsoever. I, I, I mean. Maybe to a certain degree, if somebody was sick or had a cold or something on a team, then I was more cognizant of the fact which water bottle they would have been drinking out of. And But, you know, in terms of uh, a towel, like, you know, I'd come to the bench on a TV timeout or something and, and I'd wipe my head and my face and everything with a towel that other people had been using. And so as disgusting as it sounds now but I wasn't even concerned whatsoever that that might be a way in which I might be able to uh, uh, c- contract something so it's going to be an entirely different world and you know let's face it the players will need a lot of help from the training staff to get those things sort of sorted out in terms of the towel especially I mean you can't be sharing towels but during the course of a game and you know you're thinking about a play and you might just accidentally grab a towel that and not thinking and wipe your face, and all of a sudden there's a concern there. So it's going to be an entirely different world. And I do like that saying happy birthday twice while you're <laughs> washing your hands.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll see players doing that on the bench, like hand sanitizer between shifts or something like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Kelly right, Rudy. exactly.
1: Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Okay, I got to throw this at you for some thoughts. Uh, let's not forget this: Leon Drysital wins the Art Ross Trophy, leading scorer in the NHL.
2: Well, hey, listen, uh, I don't think that was going to change. I mean, he uh, he was having such a uh, remarkable season, and uh, so yeah, I, I think congratulations to him. It was it's been so fun to watch his growth. I remember his first year, and we certainly saw a lot of good signs. But then he goes back to Kelowna, right? Yep. For, yeah, for the last half of the year and, and thinking, okay, well, he's got a taste. But, you know, it doesn't always turn out that way. So it, it's just been remarkable to watch his career grow. And, and even though McDavid is their their real star and the star of the league, I don't know. I, I think I could see uh, Dreisaitl winning the scoring title again at some point down the road.
1: Well, he he had a pretty great year. I, I mean, he admitted that he had a crappy December, and he used an even harsher word than that. And and the team did, the team didn't uh, the, the team didn't play well that month at all. But but I mean, overall, he was incredible, a force on the power play. Didn't play a lot on the penalty kill, but he was relied on a couple times in some pretty key situations. The Oilers down two men, and possibly. And I know you and I have talked about this before, but I think it's worth mentioning again possibly the best back-end in the National Hockey League. Certainly passing, I would think.
2: Yeah, and, you know, that's such a quality. Like, Sidney Crosby also has a great one. I, I remember when I played Matt Sundin, uh, still to this day might have one of the best backhand shots uh, ever. And uh, uh, it's such a weapon, right? And I just don't think at times some players rely upon it enough. Like TJ Brody, when he had that remarkable year paired with Mark Giordano about four seasons ago, and he was making some of the best backhand passes uh, I've seen from a defenseman in years and years and years. And then for some reason, I don't know, maybe he lost confidence and he's not using it often at all if ever in a game and uh, it's just such a great uh, tool to use and you know keep working on your skills you can always get better
1: okay potentially uh, the plan right now edmonton chicago so the hawks were having a great regular season i mean patrick kane was up there in the top 10 and scoring again he's incredible uh you know there were some pretty good games the hawks actually beat them two out of three this year one game went to overtime Does it, I mean, do you, you, would you still favor the Oilers in that situation or would you say, oh, the Hawks have a bunch of guys that won the cup and a short little series diving into the intensity of the playoffs that favors Chicago? How do you, I mean, we're sitting here probably still two months away from it being played, (laughs) But, but quick handicap of a potential Edmonton Chicago series.
2: I favor the Oilers. I think that the season uh, they had, they learned so much about each other and themselves individually. Uh, the one guy that really stands out, besides Kane and Taves and a couple other guys, uh, maybe the rest will be good for Duncan mm-hmm. Keith because he's uh, still a good player but not the player that he once was. But I, you know who really surprised me on Chicago? Because I had thought that his game was slipping a little bit, and it's Crawford. Oh, boy. I watched him live again this year a couple times. And uh, before the first game, I asked Eddie Olchuk, is he still a good goalie? Is he going to find work next year? And he said, oh, yeah, Kelly, he's like he's having a really good year. So depending on um, how he can come back from this layoff, because it's a long one. But uh, Corey Crawford was at a really high level when I watched him this year. So that could be the one thing in a five game series that would really scare me about Chicago.
1: Yeah, the the goaltending angle for sure. Always, uh, always one yep. to consider. Uh, well, and we should touch too uh, the potential of a Calgary Winnipeg series. That would be fun to see. good old Smite division.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you know, I, you know. First of all, I think Winnipeg is an incredible story this year, considering all the players on the back end that uh, either didn't show up to play or were traded or, you know, what have you, were injured. And and so to get that kind of effort uh, out of the, the Winnipeg Jets lineup, I tell you, that tells you a lot about Paul Maurice. In fact, for most of the season, Maurice was my coach of the year uh, to get that sort of effort out of the guys and that sort of success. So, uh, But, you know, Calgary, on the other hand, is the team that I started to really like and admire uh, as the season wore on, because uh, they they had stretches where they're good, but they had stretches where they're really bad, and I was wondering how that adversity would affect them. And I have to say, in the last little while, it it was a, it was good for them to go through that because last year when they had such a remarkable regular season, they weren't tested whatsoever at any point. And when adversity came knocking in the first round versus Colorado, they couldn't adapt to it at all. They they were they just played terribly so uh it's that that's a really close series though i don't know like one of my favorite player in the game is mark shifley because he's just such a not only talented player but he loves the game so much and it just comes across in the way in which he approaches everything and wheeler's back on track he had a really slow start so that'll be an interesting series
1: kelly Thanks for checking in tonight. We're obviously a story we're going to keep following very closely, and hopefully the NHL plans here do indeed come to fruition. We'll talk to you again next week. You got it. Thanks, pal. All right, Kelly Rudy favors the Oilers in that series against Chicago, but says Corey Crawford could be in the, the ace in the hole for the Blackhawks. Scott in Peace River writing in, he says, Reed, remember Bill Daly basically said a host city's team would not play in their home city. Yeah, he, he did. And you know what, I I, I I late last week I had someone tell me that, that that wasn't really a concern. And then Daly basically said today that maybe it would be more likely that if you're picked as a hub city, your team wouldn't play there. So maybe there could be the Western teams go East and the Eastern teams would come to Edmonton, Vancouver, or Vegas. Who knows? And these, and as we've seen through this, sometimes the information can change almost daily. Darcy says, well, what about a face wash with the glove? Would you get a suspension? They might have to discourage that. They might have to discourage that if they uh, want as, as, uh, as little bodily liquid as possible to, uh, well, not to change hands, to change nostrils, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, I got to change my nostrils. We're going to take a commercial 78049. 78049- The uh, Oilers Player Association rep Darnell Nurse as Commissioner Gary Bedman, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly with a lot of uh, details of the return to play plan. Still a lot up in the air, but they talked about uh, testing players frequently, hoping to get into phase two in early June. Players can go back to their home facilities and work out in small groups, six or less. And then training camp no sooner than the first two weeks of July. And then, as Gary Bettman said, uh, a return to play maybe late July or early August. And they would uh, certainly be prepared to play in September. He also mentioned that this qualifying round would be best of five. The conference finals and the Stanley Cup final would be best of seven. The length of rounds one and two not determined. So there could be more best of five series. They haven't decided that yet. And they haven't decided if after the the qualifying round, if they would reseed the teams or if they they would have a bracket. So you already know who you're going to play in the next round. Still some things up in the air. So in terms of uh, trying to keep players safe and not share water bottles and all that kind of stuff. Trent says, so no kiss cams on the bench. I'm sure the players will be devastated. And Ray says, I guess Marchand can't lick anybody this year. He should have been punished for that. Like that was disgusting. And now, especially with all this going on, it seems even more disgusting. Appreciate that. That's a good text. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna briefly oh, and by the way, more on this on six thirty Shed morning, six thirty tomorrow morning, NHL insider John Shannon will join Chelsea and Shea and he'll have some interesting stuff to say. The draft lottery will happen before the season ends. So right now there are seven teams that are not going to participate in this 24 team tournament. They will have their usual lottery odds. The other eight teams in the lottery will be basically phantom teams that'll get a letter A through H. So team A will take over the spot of the eighth worst odds and and et cetera down to the team that, you know, team H will be that team that has like a one and a half percent chance. They'll draw for the three lottery positions if all the teams picked are out of the seven teams that aren't going to the tournament, that's it. The lottery's decided. If, for example, team A comes in for the first overall pick, then what they'll do is once the eight teams are eliminated from the playing from the qualifying round, they'll take those eight teams and they'll draw one of them to get the first overall pick. So then they would have a 12.5% chance. In that draw, so they wouldn't just say, "Oh, well, Team A, that would have been Chicago's spot or Columbus's spot or whoever." They will take all the teams eliminated from that qualifying round and give them a one in eight chance. So, if it's all three teams from, if it's all the lettered teams, then you could have three qualifying round teams get picked. So, it'd be one out of eight for first overall, one out of seven for second overall, one out of six for third overall i I hope that makes sense so there could be two draft lotteries if one of the placeholder teams just identified by a letter wins one or more of the lottery slots i think that's the clearest i can explain it right now without drawing a diagram maybe someday we'll be able to get together for nachos and i can draw a diagram all right Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We'll have more on this uh, tomorrow. We expect to get some Oilers reaction to the return to play plan. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Reed. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins,
0: weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. 911? 911. 911, what's your emergency? Ah! I'm on a cruise ship! Ah! There was an explosion! Oh my god, the ship is sinking! I can't get out! There's water everywhere! We're going down! I've got a lock on your location, stay with me. Hovering! Hovering! Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all new season of 911 on a new night, Thursday, March
2: 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.